you like how I didn't even try today? I'm like, where I'm I'm actually wearing the pajama pants I wore to bed last night. I did put on all my other clothes are clean, but I just was like, you know what? It's Friday. Who cares? Who cares? I can hide out. So don't take our picture, Rachel. Um, Rachel always wants to take pictures on days when we look like shit. Yeah, it's intentional. <laughs> Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready? And books are sexy. Okay. I'm looking at a super cool um, silver bottle from Sterling Vineyards. It's a Blanc de Blanc. That's my favorite. That means it's made white, sparkling wine made from white grapes. A Blanc de Noir, even if it's light colored, is made from red grapes. But Blanc de Blanc is white grapes. And it's usually made with Chardonnay. But I don't know if they mention it. It's sleek and elegant, richly complex. Let's see if they're... A sales pitch. Yeah, from California. Boom. Oh, it smells very good. It does not smell like freshly baked bread. <laughs> but freshly baked bread does smell good. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? When you're working with champagne, it's like the best kind of work day. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Oh my goodness. This is why you come work at the bookstore. You never know what's going to happen. You can no. get champagne. You might have champagne. You might. That's life. All right. So let's put this week in context. We're recording in the midst of a very big, important week. We had a great music walk downtown. The weather cooperated. It was glorious. We had a great cocktail from which I am still recovering. <laughs> yeah. And other members of staff and your mom are also <laughs> totally recovering. Totally my mom. <laughs> she was loving everybody last night. Ben Shrug was amazing. I can't believe he had the stamina to perform that long. Yeah, he was great. And uh, we're about ready to head into Independent Bookstore Day. So we're really excited for that. Uh, we'll have lots more reasons to celebrate Next week, even though we've been very busy, both of us have been reading. Yep. I have, like, I'm very much on the reading train. So one of the books you just read, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a little bit because it comes out um, and it sounds really interesting, but tell me about what you are reading right now. Okay. I'm holding the advanced reader's copy of this book that has a really beautiful cover. It's it, is like a, it is a nice looking cover. An illustrated forest with a path winding through it. It's called Search. It's by Michelle. Michelle Hunavan. And now this is an advanced reader copy, but this book is out. It's out. Um, it was out last week. I I like to read what we have what we're getting yep. into the store. I like to be able to talk about it. Um, and be able to put it in context for people, especially if it appealed to us so much that we ordered in six copies and we've since added more to our collection. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, I was excited about and I want to, I want to find out if it lives up to the pitch we got from the publishers. So, um, 
as I'm flipping it over um, to look at the author, I'm seeing it as a blurb from Ruth Reichel, who is a food writer. Um, and she has a really cool biography, by the way, called Saving the Plum. So if you like foodie people, women who've made big careers for themselves, try that. But she blurbed it and she says she she loves everything by this author. I haven't read her before. And she says this is her best, most delectable yet. So one of the things that's interesting about the primary character in this book, um, Dana Potosky, is that she is a restaurant critic and food writer. And she also loves cooking. She has a very eclectic background um, because at one point she contemplated, well, she went to seminary and she was contemplating a career as a pastor because she very much enjoyed how her pastor would research a topic and then come with enthusiasm to present it to the congregation. She just loved that process, that research and yeah. writing process. So now she's kind of a lax churchgoer. She's, she hasn't been in a couple of weeks. And these two ladies from like... That's lax? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What do you call me? I know. You're. Do you go on Christmas and Easter? No. Oh, you're not even a creaster. I'm not even a creaster. Oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> to each their own. We all find spirituality in our own ways. Um, but she hasn't been in a couple of weeks and people have noticed. And these two ladies from one of, you know, like the church president, you know, the busybodies of the church show up at her house and she's like, oh crap. Are they here to reprimand me? I haven't been in a while. But actually they're coming to talk to her about the state of their pastor. They think he's on his way out. And it, and they're they're glad he is because his sermons have ended up turning away people like Dana. He's just kind of checked out um, and she's not engaged. And so um, she is asked to join a search committee for the new pastor. And I find it really interesting because writing about church environments and people who have kind of like broad-minded views on religion and like how it's supposed to be involved in your life is not very common. It's not no. like popular stomping grounds. Um, so I find that interesting. And also it's kind of weird. Do you, do you like it so far? Like, do you I like do. the writing? You like I the character? I do. Okay. I'm not, I'm not hugely into it. Yeah. I mean, but I can see where you're marked, but you know, I mean, you've made a little progress. Yeah. So. There's humor and honesty. I like that food's going to come in play. And the reason I was attracted to this book is it's all about regretting being on a committee. <laughs> you hate committees. I, this is one of, this is one of our stay in our lane things. Like yeah. I'm the one of us who will serve on committees. You go to meetings. I'll go to meetings. So if you're involved in important things in this city, you will see Ellen's face. You will not see mine. <laughs> She's very responsible. I don't sign up for things and I don't like to be on committees. Don't ask me. I won't do it. I'll help you in many other ways. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to go through that this one. Special. I'll keep our readers updated. Um, and I did just finish another one that we'll talk about in new releases. But Ellen, what are you working on? I'm working on The Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Because you're responsible and you run our book clubs. Yeah, but actually we're not reading that book. For oh, this you're not? Book club. I'm reading it for, um, I have a like remote book club that I do with some friends from college mm -hmm. and we meet once a month and we started doing this I mean a long time ago but I think we picked up quite a bit during pandemic but anyway it's the book and we're talking about it on Tuesday and it's been I mean a lot of people have read it you know you've read it um, a lot of people on staff have read it it's been pretty well liked so I am reading it and I do like it it's really good it's about 
there's kind of like two timelines happening, uh, but they all center around Marion Graves. So Marion Graves in this book is a female aviator, uh, 1950s era. And so the story is like really her coming, her coming of age and then how she became came to be a pilot so I am not at the point where she is a pilot yet she is a teenager but she dreams of being a pilot and so she's like running moonshine around and she's anything she can do to get herself in a plane exactly she's saving money Um, and then the other timeline is this woman Hadley who's a Hollywood actress who's kind of been disgraced by this romantic scandal she's been in sort of this mega um mega hit movie series sort of similar to Twilight yes I totally got Twilight vibes and, you know, she was in a romance with her co-star and then she cheated on him. And it was this huge scandal. Yeah. But just like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. That's true. That is very true. People are very invested in those relationships coming yes. to life. And then in this book, that's the case for mm-hmm. her. Like they can't differentiate between her, the person and her, the character. But she is now going to be playing Marion Graves. You know, so this is present day in a movie. Mm-hmm. And so she had read um some of the journals of Marion Graves mm-hmm. that were published in a book like mm-hmm. when she was a child um they had some things in common like both of them were raised by uncles who weren't super present mm-hmm. um and Hadley's parents died in a plane crash as did Marion Graves so these stories connect Marion Graves mother actually disappeared in a shipwreck that's true yes oh, sorry it stuck with me the details yes yes um so i'm not i'm probably like a quarter of the way through it so i'm not to where she marion is actually flying planes yet but it's really good i like how it sweeps such a long time frame i love when i get oh yeah like over 100 years yeah i really love being able to see the lifespan i I hate when you're left hanging and wondering what's going to happen you know I agree. I also like books that span that kind of time frame too. And there's a lot of them lately. Um, but you know, if we want to get religious here, like I'm not a religious person, but one thing that I find, so I don't believe in an afterlife, but I do think that like we are connected in ways we don't understand right to the future and to the past. And so when you read stories like this, you can see how people's lives intersect and connect and influence each other I know. in big and small ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's the way that we, you know, live for eternity. Mm-hmm. So I like stories like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think about like, what are all the ways that, who are all the people who've had an impact on my life that I don't even like know who they are. Right. And vice versa. I mm-hmm. think it's interesting. That is really cool. That's a very um, cool perspective to have. All right. So our topic of conversation this week is about owning books broadly. Books that we own Um, Because we're in the business of selling books. We love having physical books. I will say, um, I kind of got over ebooks when I realized how they just kind of disappeared after I read them. They went into the nether of the digital world. And I could talk about them, but I couldn't hand the book over. Lending books just doesn't work that well. The library system works really well for borrowing ebooks. But in terms of like sharing from friend to friend or family member or picking back up to read it again, handing it to your kids to read. Well, and you can't also, you can't dog ear it. You can't write. I mean, there's like things Digital things you can do. Yeah. But but it's not. like you can't really physically manipulate it. So we love owning books. We love having the physical book in our hands. Um, but what do you do with them? 
that's the question. What do you what do you do with these books after those couple days when you've read them? Um, what stock do you put into book ownership? So I am of the camp that finds, you know, there's all these studies out there about how living in a house with books increases the intelligence, the IQ level of children. There's a certain threshold number. I'll probably look it up and add it to the end of the podcast. Um, and then there's also um, just, it's like, it's like having a dog. You know, you're less likely to have a heart attack. You know, you're going to live <laughs> well, longer. they're pretty too. I mean, they make it kind of cozy. Yeah. I find a house of books to be beautiful and the sight of them makes me happy. How do you store books in your house? Well, so you have a very lovely like library room Thank in your you. house. Thank you. Um, which, you know, someday I would like to have, but I you have to I, have your piano first. Yes. I have to get my piano first. My I have a piano, but I really want a baby grand piano. But anyway, I so I, but I have a lot of books, and I have different bookcases throughout my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is <laughs> that mostly my books are stacked. Mm-hmm. So I've seen I've it. Got, <laughs> you've seen. I've got the big stack next to the piano, but I have stacks on the piano. Every end table has stacks of books on it. Mm-hmm. Underneath the end table has stacks mm-hmm. of books. I just have a stacking books problem Mm -hmm. i don't feel the need to hang on to books like i like to be around them Mm -hmm. but i also don't mind passing them on and since i don't have tons of storage space for them like it it, unless i love the book i don't need to hold on to i don't need to hold on to it no you like always having the books around because they're what you're reading next or you've just finished them they haven't left yet exactly most of the books i have stacked around are books i haven't read yet Mm -hmm. or books that i really love and i just don't want to part with Mm -hmm. so yeah i like keeping all books the only ones that I'm willing to get rid of are the ones that I reluctantly bought for my children because they were really into the rainbow magic fairies. The or fairies. We yeah. rented that at my house. That was so bad. <laughs> or like speak for yourself, Amanda. I personally found Kirstie and Rachel's story to be compelling. I love that you can pull Kirstie and Rachel's things out because that is a hundred percent. You will never forget Kirstie and Rachel if you have read the Rainbow Magic Fairies. What else the candy fairies? Oh God. <laughs> We right? had a few or candy. Was it rainbow magic. I don't. It Actually, was rainbow you're right. magic. You're right. That's Kirsty and Rachel. Correct. I stand corrected. You're right. Candy yeah. fairies was something different, but mm-hmm. in that vein. Yeah, and then like the five minute Disney princess bedtime stories. I'm like, oh, bye. Yeah, I got that the Spider Man one. <laughs> yeah, we do what we need to do to encourage our children's love of reading. Um, but. <clears throat> Those are the ones that get to go to little free libraries. I like to keep everything. I love to, if a book is hung out for literally years and I know I'm no longer interested in reading it or it was really stupid, (laughs) (laughs) then I can, I can see it on its way because it doesn't reflect something I value. But, um, in my house, every room has to have book storage. That's always like, okay, but where are the books going to go? So all of my kids have bookcases. All my kids have bookcases too. Yeah. Um, But our collections end up always exceeding it. One exception is my lovely daughter, Charlotte, who enjoys graphic novels, says, Mom, not everybody has to love books. And so she says she doesn't need a bookcase. Grounded, Charlotte. I know. (laughs) Um, Where'd you come from? I know. To each their own, we all bring beautiful things to the world. But uh, 
yeah, my bedside table has like four stacks of books that I finished that I keep saying like, oh, I need to write something on Instagram or I need to write a shelf talker for this. So I have, um, I have disorganization until they get stored in their home that I reflect on and can pull from for my children as they grow. And I'll never get rid of children's books. So of your, the books that you have, mm-hmm. do you, when you display them, do you have a system of organization? Like, do you alphabetize? Do you do it by genre? Or do you just put them on the shelf and that's where they are? I once, um, we had an office that was just like four walls for a while. And I waited and waited and waited to put bookshelves in it. So now it's my, my library, my happy place. I have <laughs> one wall that is like, um, middle grade chapter books to YA. Yeah, I get, yeah, I've been in there. I guess mm-hmm. there, you do kind of mm-hmm. have your kids. And they are, out, yeah. yeah, they're alphabetized by author. Okay. And then I have one wall that is kind of like where I can store two unread books for adults that, you know, they're just, they just sit there. They're things that I know I want to read sometime backlist things, yeah. things someone has recommended, just haven't gotten to. And then I have one wall that is, um, fiction and nonfiction that I've read alphabetized by author. And then I have a few little kind of eclectic spots oh, and around the perimeter of the lower part of the room are my picture books alphabetized by author. My daughter keeps her, uh, my oldest daughter, Elise keeps her books organized, but primarily by series. Cause she reads so many fantasy yeah. series and young adults. So she loves putting fantasy series together, but doesn't alphabetize. My kids hate alphabetizing. Like I've told them it's, hallmark of working at a bookstore so you better learn how yeah some people like to display their books but i've seen people organize books by like size or by color yeah um or and then this would be a subject too so we have people come in here and they want like they have they own multiple editions of a book so like the first book that comes to mind is pride and prejudice yep so there's like a zillion different Mm color covers of pride and prejudice Mm -hmm. and there are people who will buy every single Mm -hmm. one so they probably display those together, I would assume. Yeah, and we work really hard on some of those classics to find the most beautiful editions. So like some of the children's classics, we have a series of hardcover illustrated by a guy named Robert Ingpen, who is just really beautiful. Illustrations are very classic, preserve the original text. That's the most important part. Uh, we have Puffin and Bloom for some of the children's classics. Those are gorgeous. Penguin has a ton of deluxe classics that we have in our classic section so we look for those really stunning and interesting additions for our customers do you own multiple copies of any books intentionally no none at all unintentionally yes intentionally no i have a few that i own multiple copies of um at one point, I owned multiple copies of the book Celine by Peter Heller. He's from Colorado. Oh, yeah. And he wrote this one book inspired by his mother. And I loved it so much. I ordered the hardcover. You know, I had to source that. And it, it's really cool. But I just wanted that really durable edition. Um, the one I collect is Anna Green Gables editions. That, yes, I know that. And for when we were opening our store, I think I ordered like five different <laughs> yeah, like we versions. We got to narrow down the Anna Green Gables. And so I've kind of calmed down a little bit, but I own multiple editions. Well, I still Anna think Green we Gables. have like two or three editions at the store. We might. I mean, it is... They're pretty. They're all yeah, pretty. They're very pretty. Um, and then, you know, there have been multiple editions of the Harry Potter series um, that our family has used to introduce that book. 
Um, One of my favorite illustrators, Brian Selznick, did a kind of charcoal drawing paperback edition where you can line up all the paperbacks on the floor together and they create an image. That was really neat. Um, Yeah, we had an engagement over, was it Pride and Prejudice? Someone coming in to buy a special edition of Pride and Prejudice. Yes. And then they got Well, I think the, the, um, the guy brought her oh, favorite edition of favorite Pride, edition. Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. But they got engaged in front of the classic section. They did. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was There are cute. the trends, um, and this makes for interesting content on social media. Um, color, as you mentioned, color gradients of book covers. You know, rainbowed, grouped by color. I'm sure it makes yeah. for fun Yeah, there's a teacher I used to work with who, that's how he, his classroom library is organized by color. I mean, I think it's really pretty, but then you have to remember if you want to find a book, what color is this cover? But you know, for some people, like for some learners, you know, that might actually be easier than alphabetizing. If I'm like, if I know that it's a yellow cover and maybe I can remember that, Mm -hmm. then I know where to go. Mm -hmm. And then there is the trend of facing the spines inward on shelves so that you just see that natural page end <laughs> what yeah we have some in our loft right and that is because we use a good friend who has great design sense and so she took some really old books and outward faced them and so sometimes when we're creating displays in the stores like in the front window she will face the spines in so that you just see the pages and it creates a more neutral um, element to the design so not to distract from the books we're displaying now i get that um in terms of outward facing your pages in your home you must not love books because <laughs> you're not like how are you ever going to find the one yeah or reflect on what books you own if you can't see the spines <laughs> yeah of course it, i mean it looks pretty but i think it's prettier if you have a if you have them the correct way mm-hmm. yeah so for people who, um, you know, like they like to own books, but they also like to, they don't want to hang on to them mm-hmm. necessarily. We do have a few customers who will buy books from us and then um, we'll buy them back for store credit yeah. and they go in our previously loved section. We love that. Um, yeah. So I actually have a stack of books that I need to bring in for our previously loved section. Yeah. Yeah. Good books. And it helps, I just don't yeah. have room for them right, right now. And it helps fund your next reading experience. Exactly. I think um, on our social, you can, Rachel's going to do some sort of interactive thing where you can talk about how you display your books. Yeah. What you do with your books. Show, show us images, too. Okay. Let's talk about what's coming out this week. It's exciting. There's um, a lot of good ones. And yeah. actually, we can't talk about all of them because no, we, we can't. run out of time. So come to the store. And see everything new on our shelves. But we're going to hit you up with a couple of new release paperbacks first. Um, Jasmine Gilroy. Gillery? Am I saying it? Gillery? Jasmine Gillery is a a favorite in our rom-com section. Um, Her readers know that they can count on her for a really good story. And I like this title because it's literary themed. Um, Her new one is called By the Book. And it's a spin on Beauty and the Beast. Um, the main character is Isabel, like <laughs> Belle. Um, she 
feels stalled in her publishing career. She can't rise to editorial assistant. And when she learns that one of the best-selling authors hasn't turned in this manuscript, she thinks that if she can go to his house and give him a pep talk and get him working again, she can get the promotion she's been looking for. So I think you can guess where that's headed. Um, next up is Velvet Was the Night. Did you read this one, Rachel? I read it. No. Okay. Velvet was the night. Sylvia Marino. Yeah. So that's out in paperback. Um, we're excited about it. We've loved it in hardcover. Yeah. Tell so us about it, Ellen. Author of Mexican Gothic, but this is not Mexican Gothic. So I have seen this book described as noir thriller, which I can kind of see. Um, I thought the writing was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. So the setting is 1970s. It's Mexico City. You've got two main characters. My favorite character is Maite, and she's like 30, and she's kind of like a spinster, you know. Um, she's still single, and and every week she goes and she buys these like romance comics. It's like this story that goes on and on. She's like obsessed. It's like a soap opera, but in a comic book. Okay. Okay, so she's like obsessed with, she reads these obsessively. And then she goes to work, and she doesn't have any friends. She goes to work, and then she like tells everybody about her non-existent love life, which is really just her saying that what's happening in these stories is happening to her. Okay. So like her boyfriend's in a coma. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Like all these different things, right? She's super traumatic. Well, she lives alone in her apartment and she's got this beautiful neighbor, Leonora, who's an artist and kind of into some political fringe stuff. And one day Leonora like leaves her cat with Maite and then completely disappears. Mm. And people are coming around looking for her. So Maite's curious she starts looking for Leonora. Our second character is Elvis. Elvis is like a criminal for hire. Okay. And so, but he works for this very secretive organization. He doesn't know like who is at the top of it necessarily. Yeah. And so he has been hired um, and they're very into like political things. Mm -hmm. So Leonora is caught up into some political mm -hmm. stuff. So he's been hired to find her. Okay. And he knows that Maite is, her neighbor and so yeah and she's looking for her too so their paths keep crossing so he's aware of her but Maite's not really aware of him okay um but anyway their stories eventually intersect and it's i i really enjoyed the book okay so that's code, out in paperback yeah code breaker by walter isaacson is uh out in paperback this has been a great current affairs nonfiction book um it's about scientist jennifer dudna a nobel prize winner who her, um, invented the CRISPR, which can edit DNA. Um, and so it's all about the ethical questions involved in gene editing. So, And Walter Isaacson can, is just counted on for excellent um, nonfiction. Yeah, you know, it's been one that I've been curious about for a while. Mm -hmm. And we have a young reader's edition of Codebreaker. Oh, FYI, in the know. middle grade section, yeah. I, oh. I think it's also called Codebreaker. Um, so if you have a kid who's interested in these science fields and technology and want a great female role model, you can pick that one up. Um, and then tell us about the next one. Um, the World Gives Way by Marissa, I think Levine is mm -hmm. how you say her name. So this is in sort of the fantasy sci-fi section. This was a staff favorite last year. We read it in the fantasy book club. It's a near future dystopian situation. Mira is the main character and she is like an indentured servant. So she is contracted for 50 years. So she will have to work as a servant for 50 years before she gets her freedom. 
when the family that she is contracted with dies, they leave behind their orphan daughter. And so now she has her freedom unexpectedly, but she also is has this child that she has to take care of. And the world is like on the brink of collapse. Yeah. That's all I know. But you know, I have you read it, Rachel? Did you like it? Yeah. Everyone seems to really like mm-hmm. it. I think I'm gonna read it. Um it sounds really, really good. Okay. So they're on a spaceship and she's indentured because her great grandparents decided that they knew they weren't rich enough to afford to go on the ship to get to the new world. So they agreed to this indentured servitude, knowing that their grandchildren, etc. So she is close to being free from it, but their world, which she knows as like is a new world, but it's a giant spaceship, is breaking down. Interesting. Okay. It sounds really good. I, and, you know, one, one goal I have is to read a little bit more in that sci-fi and fantasy section. Because when I do, I usually really like what I read. Right. It's just not where I gravitate. It was one where once I finished, and I told Danica this, I was like, I'm not sure I like this. And then I realized I really did like it because it kept sitting and sinking in further, mm, further I love, with me. I love books like that where you just like, you can't get out of your head. You're just yeah. chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it. Which is why when we were talking about ranking books, like sometimes like I read a book, I'm like, eh, I don't know about Same. this. And then I'm just, you know, like three months later, I'm like, man, I, that book is still like, I'm still thinking about that book. That's mm-hmm. how I felt with okay. this one. And I listened to it on audio too. And it was really great on Libro. Um, so I do recommend that one. It was, it was a surprise and it's not going to end the way you think it will. Well, way to ruin it. <laughs> how do I know what you think it will end? <laughs> okay. Now, so in hardcover, we've got some good ones. I'll talk about the first one. I Kissed Shara Wheeler by Casey McQuiston. This, so this is YA, and it's... So Casey McQuiston ha- wrote... Um, red, White, last, and Royal Blue. Red, White, Royal... Red, red White, and Royal Blue. And I One Last it. Stop. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of the queer romance vibe, but this is in YA. And I actually really want to read this now that I've read the synopsis of it. I think it sounds cool. So... She has great book design, too. Like, yeah. very... Um, sharp color, yep. great illustration, fun things within the book. Yeah, so in this book, Chloe is the main character, and she's kind of a transplant from California. She's living in, she has to do high school in Alabama, and she's going to this like Christian school, and she hates her life there. But the thing that like makes her like stick with it is that she really wants to be valedictorian. And um, one day, her her rival for that title is um, the prom queen. Shara Wheeler Mm -hmm. and she's like the popular girl and one day Shara and Chloe kiss Mm -hmm. and then as you might predict Shara Wheeler disappears and so Chloe's trying to find her but she teams up with other people that Shara has kissed like her boyfriend the quarterback (laughs) and the neighbor boy and so this unlikely alliance is sort of searching into like what actually happened to Mm -hmm. her like where is she why did she leave Mm -hmm. so it it feels like a lot of some of those YA tropes. I mean, I was thinking of like when I read a description of Paper Towns by mm-hmm. John Green. Yeah, Paper but, Towns. But, but with this different kind of twist. So anyway, I think it sounds really good. And I'm excited for our YA readers. Our YA readers are already reading Casey McQuiston. Um, oh, quite yeah. a few of them have picked up her other two novels. Um, and I think it's really cool that she made a, a book um, specifically for these readers. But of course, she's going to get a huge adult readership as well. And we have 
signed copies, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> we also have signed copies of this next one, Trust by Hernan Diaz. Okay, so this was the one that you read. Yeah. And you were telling about it, and it sounds really fascinating. It is fascinating um, because it is, um, he utilizes a quirky storytelling technique, okay? So what I recommend with this this book, and like we said, uh, we have signed copies, is definitely read the book jacket. Okay. So you need to know what you're getting into. It's, um, about a couple who are immensely wealthy in the twenties and thirties, New York. They've made a huge impact both on charitable things, but also they've made gobs of money and gobs of money during times when other people have lost everything. And so they're, they're like the Rockefellers kind of, you know, everybody knows who they are, but, um, someone writes a very close fictionalization with different names and slightly different facts about their life after the wife passes away. And he was an associate, a friend of hers. And, um, so the first part of the book is his telling of their, their backgrounds, um, where the husband came from, how his family made their money, where the wife came from, what they did together, what they did during um, Black Thursday, Friday, Black Friday. The original, mm. it was Thursday, right? It was a Thursday. Anyway, when the stock market crashed, the Great Depression began, what were their role? What was their role in manipulating that situation and how did they come out of it? So that's the first part. The second part is the dictated autobiography of the surviving husband. So he's pissed off about this fictionalized account of their relationship that is sold tons and tons of copies, you know, because everybody wants to know their their life. Um, and so he brings in a woman to help him write his autobiography. And it's his version of events, his background, how he made his money, what his wife was like. Um, the next part of the book is the woman who was hired on. Um, it's a great uh, career opportunity for her. Um, her her perspective on this man and how well he knew his wife or how he's portraying her um, and what it was like trying to put this account together for him. And then he, you know, what happens with that book. Um, and then the final part of the book is the journals of the woman who passed. So it's all different accounts of kind the, of the same, same couple, the same events. And it, it reminded me of the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle in that from many perspectives, you're trying to find out what the real truth is. So I think the author is really contemplating, how do we tell stories? How are our, uh, our lives preserved? Are we honest with ourselves? Do other people see us how we truly are? It reminds me a little bit of a kind of genius book called Trust Exercise. Yeah. By Susan Schwartz. Yeah. Yes. Totally like Trust Exercise. And it has the the era of Gatsby. Okay. okay. So it, it, it just it has that glitter. Yeah. I mean, Trust Exercise, I, you know, probably the first time of that book, I was like, what the hell is this? I don't like this at all. That's then, what I felt in this one. In the end of it, I was like, that was brilliant. I like, mm-hmm. there's just... The way that that book is structured, the timing and the pacing mm-hmm. is like exactly right. But mm-hmm. for a while, you're like, I don't like this. 
Mm -hmm. You got to stick with it. And that is what I would say about trust. Okay. I had the same feeling. And after book one and book two, I was like, what am I reading? And then I read the back and I was like, oh, crap. You <laughs> now know? I know what I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> so I get how the book is composed, that I'm getting okay. different accounts. Um, so definitely read the back. It sounds good. And then bear with it. It's really cool. Got a cool cover. Okay. Last book we're going to talk about is Book of Night by Holly Black. So this is dark fantasy from a very popular writer so the character charlie is a criminal and so she's really good at like picking locks and stealing shit and she's working for these evil magicians called glomus who can manipulate shadows and when they manipulate shadows they can get into locked rooms sometimes they murder people in locked rooms sometimes they learn secrets in locked rooms but now Charlie is like trying to live on the up and up. She's like, I'm going to leave my criminal past behind. I'm going to move on with my life. But um, that isn't so easy to do. And she finds herself in the center of a battle for control of the shadow world. It sounds like great fantasy and people love Holly Black. She can yeah. be counted on for a very good book. And I think we got a lot of these coming. So, yeah. And okay. Next up. The Kids World. Um, I just want to rattle off a few um, okay. because I'm excited. There's a lot of really good books coming out. Um, the first one on the list is Lizzie and the Cloud is from the Fan Brothers. Everything they make is going to be very, like, well put together, beautiful, very um, fairy tale-like telling. So this is about a girl who wants to buy a cloud from the cloud seller, even though clouds are kind of out of fashion now. So I was really excited to see that one come in. Um, one of my favorite author illustrators is Shinsuke Yashitaki. And she did um, The Boring Book. And um, There Must Be More Than This. And it's it gives intelligence to children. And she has hyper detailed illustrations in like primary colors. Um, check them out. I love them. But this one is called I Won't Give Up My Rubber Band. <laughs> and it's about a girl who gets attached to everyday objects. So anyone who ha is a parent of young children or knows any young children know that they'll become obsessed with little small things that are just trash. And you'll think it's trash and you'll throw it away or you'll clean it up and they'll be devastated. So this is a girl who's obsessed with a rubber band. I just love how she gets children, but also sees their intelligence and their humanity. Um, Brian Biggs, he is a great author illustrator. Again, um, he has one called My Hero. It's about a father and a daughter. The illustrations are so cool. I'm really excited about it. Um, so lots of good children's books, picture books coming out um, this week. Okay. Plenty for my story time on Wednesday. So we've got some good uh, stuff in YA as well. Mm -hmm. So notably, we have Family of Liars by E. Lockhart. Mm -hmm. So this is a prequel to We Were Liars, which is a fantastic YA book. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the Sinclair family. So in We Were Liars, it's like the teenagers of the Sinclair family they're like wealthy New England. They have their own private island. They go there every summer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this huge tragedy and mystery unfolds. Well, Family of Liars is the previous generation of Sinclairs and how 
their like mystery and betrayal and lies led Mm -hmm. to the situations in We Were Liars. And it promises to kind of like tell you how everything turns out. So it's both a prequel and it offers you kind of a broader view. I, yeah, I really liked We Were Liars Mm -hmm. and I am excited for this one. And then not brand new, but finally out in paperback, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, which has gone through the, I mean, it's always been a fantastic book, but it's kind of going through this, you know, people are coming and asking for it because it's, you know the subject of controversy when people want to ban books in schools yeah this is one they'll pick out this is one that they talk about um but it's just a very um i don't know i don't think i've met a teenager who read this book and didn't didn't like it everybody loves this book and it really made angie thomas's name as someone you should read everything she writes yep all right what's happening at the store what's popping at the store this what's popping Poppin', poppin', poppin' is poppin', I'm going to have poppin', poppin'. awesome new picture books to read on Wednesday with Lovey. I'm really excited about that. Um, I love when we have fresh stories and I love all the books in our collection, but when we have something new and exciting. All right. Friday night on the 6th from 530 to 8, we have the Central Iowa Authors Circle. Um, this is a free event for anyone 18 and over, and it's a workshop structured writing group for serious writers whose goal is publication. So I know like one of our booksellers participates and speaks really highly of this group. So if you are a person who actually I was talking to a customer in the store last yep. weekend about about this group because mm-hmm. she's like, I want to write. I need kind of that kickstart, you know. Um, so if you are someone who has always sort of aspired to write or you've got something in the works, um, come check it out. Yeah, it's a really they do nice, a really good job. Yeah, it's a very nice group of people, too. All right. Final reminder. It's Mother's Day. Sunday, May 8th. You can buy all the shit you need for your mom yeah. at Dog Food. We can give you <laughs> great recommendations. Well, we have, and we have cards. We yeah. have, obviously, we have books and uh-huh. can help you find a great book for your mom, mm-hmm. but we have other gifts. We mm-hmm. have gift cards. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a one stop shop. And yeah. we are very happy to help you find the perfect gift for, for mom. Yeah. And for new mothers, or mothers who just want to celebrate with the young children in their life. We have a really fun collection of kids' board books and picture books that honor the relationship of a mother and child that um, reflect a diversity of family makeups. And they're, they're special books. Yeah, I like them. My favorite is Where's Mommy? So check that one out. Or Where's My Mum? <laughs> Actually, Mom. Where's My Mum? My Mom, but Julia Donaldson about a little monkey who's looking for his mom. So those are a couple of my favorites. And Queer Mom, a glass of bubbles, just like well, I won't we'll be because my mom had a little too too much drink last night. <laughs> she might not be recovered by Mother's Day. She might not. Mm-hmm. But shout out to our moms. We have great moms. And since it is Mother's Day, we should honor them a little bit. Our moms do a lot for us at the store. Right. And they help make us readers. They set us books. And Gina. What, what? Yeah, Sue Ellen and Gina. Um, we call them the wine bitch and the beer bitch. Yeah. And they they laminate shelf talkers. Mm-hmm. They, they shelf books. They make things. They shelf books. They watch our children and pick them up from places pick, so that we can be here. My mom picks my kids up from school every day. And I'll tell you what, the little one is not happy when you pick them up. You know what he says every day, pick them up from school? What? This is the worst day ever. <laughs> It's hard to take that on. And she does it. She yeah. does it almost every day. So yeah. my mom um, does soccer games while I'm here on Saturdays. And she 
let me order from the Scholastic Book Club order whenever I wanted. And I'd get my nice little stack of books. She took me to the library. She read to us in her bed. She's a reader herself. Yeah, my mom is too. So cheers to our mom. Cheers to moms. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow. Because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yeah. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs)